0: Actually, let's go ahead and go there. Second uh, Timothy chapter three. Uh, many of you know that uh, you know Pastor Sam is in the process of t- of, of preaching through Second Timothy. Um, part of this the study, I think, was really born out of that. Uh, if, if memory serves, I actually don't remember, but I think it was born out of the fact that I was reading 2 Timothy and uh, and came came across this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verses uh, 10 and 11, Paul writes his dear son in the faith, Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, and and afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, and and he continues on. So we're really focusing on this concept of Timothy fully knowing Paul. And we know that Timothy and Paul had a disciple, rela- disciple relationship. We also know that Paul was his pastor. So we're applying that kind of practically and talking about, how you need to fully know, to the extent you can, fully know those who, who labor in, in, in the word uh, over uh, the, the responsibilities that, that have been given in the, in the church. Your disciples, uh, people who oversee specific ministries, you need to fully know them. And so we're, we've been kind of taking, a. a, a last time I, I, I spoke on this, we just kind of looked back on the relationship and how that kind of developed with, um, with Paul and Timothy. This week, we're going to talk about two of these, doctrine and manner of life. So each week, I'll, I'll do two or three of these, and we'll just work through them. How Timothy could have known some examples out of scripture, how he would have known about these things the first thing that we have in front of us is this concept of doctrine. Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Now, doctrine is interesting because I think most of the time we think of doctrine as what is the doctrine of salvation or what is the doctrine of of baptism or the Holy Spirit, right? Some of the things that kind of make up a lot of what we cover in discipleship one, what we cover in foundations two and three in LFBI, but a doctrine is actually two things. Okay, it's used two different ways in Scripture. One is, I guess, I'll say more of a verb. It's not always a verb, but it's kind of how things are done. It's the truth, uh, the truth being spoken. Okay, so it's not just the truth, but it's the preaching of of that truth, the communication of, not the existence of the truth, but the communication of the truth from one person to another, or it could be just the truth itself, the truth that is inherent in scripture, and then the truth that it, doctrine is the process of teaching that truth. It's, it's, it, it's used interchangeably in scripture uh, from an English perspective. From a Greek perspective, they're actually two different words, um, generally two different words. But So we'll look at each of these, but the first is the way Paul taught or the teaching process, okay? So it's it's about kind of the how. Look at Matthew, and it's not just Paul here, but look at Matthew 7, 28 and 29, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as scribes. So they weren't just enamored by what he was teaching but how he taught. He taught as one having authority. In Romans 6, Paul records this in his uh, dear letter, an impassioned letter to the Romans, uh, to the believers in Rome. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, and look at this, that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. So it's not just the doctrine that was delivered, but the form of it, the way it was delivered, how it was delivered. I I am I never cease to be amazed at videos that pop up on up on fi- my Facebook feed, or that uh, just a little little uh, you know look behind the curtains on the pastors' chat. So the pastors have a WhatsApp chat too, and it's mostly full of just stupid. Like it's mostly like there's some good stuff in there, but a lot of times it's like funny thing that somebody saw on Facebook or on Twitter or something's here or there, right? That's, that's shared. Um, But I never cease to be amazed at some of the, the bad, the bad preaching that's shared, not in our sphere, but there's somebody, they get a clip of somebody teaching and, and, and we shared uh, actually at the, the guy's Bible study, uh, last time a few weeks ago, we talked about the guy who makes this whole big deal about the Bible saying about a man pissing against the wall and like takes it like a completely wrong direction uh, and delivers it with 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 vitriol and meanness and and so it 's not just the doctrine, but it 's how you deliver the doctrine it's important. There there, is, there can be, I learned a long time ago, you can say the exact same words, but how you deliver them totally changes the message behind it. You can literally say, you can speak doctrinal truth and deliver it in a way that is offensive. And I don't mean offensive like that it gets you in your flesh and you know you need to change kind of offensive. You can actually cause people you can be a a, a reproach to Christ in the do- way you deliver doctrine if you're not reasonably careful. So it's not just the content, but Paul dr- addresses it by saying that form of doctrine, how I delivered it. We even see in in his first letter to Timothy uh, till I come, give attendance to reading, give attendance to exhortation, give attendance to doctrine. Now, us good fundamental Baptists always want to make that last one the noun of the doctrine. You got to preach, you got to <laughs> deliver good doctrine. That's my fundamental Baptist voice, I guess. I don't know, I just came up with that. That just came right out. <laughs> I'm not even wearing polyester. And, at least I don't think I'm wearing polyester. <laughs> some of you, under, well, that, uh, okay, so, but he says, give attendance to doctrine. He's literally saying, give attendance to the teaching process, because reading is a verb, exhortation is a verb, and doctrine is a verb. Give attendance to doctrine. Paul's consistent in his in his uh, word usage here. He also says that in uh, in, in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and labor in doctrine. Do you see how that structure of that sentence breaks down? So you're not just laboring in the word, but you're laboring in doctrine. Well, does that mean you're developing new doctrine? No. It means you're laboring to deliver the doctrine, Okay. It's a pretty straightforward process here that I think a lot of times we glance over because we just want to apply the word doctrine to good, to good content. And it's not just good content. It is, and when I talk about delivery, I don't mean spit polish, kind of making sure it's, it's snazzy and you have three points in a poem and all that stuff. That's not my point. That it, you, we'll see in a few minutes. It has to align with the, the way you live. It has to align with scripture. And it has to be delivered in a way that someone could hear it. Somebody shared many years ago that you've got to be careful what you define as evangelism or the delivery of the gospel. And they, they proposed a definition that's, that in order for someone to be evangelized, not necessarily converted, not saved, but to be evangelized, they have to have a valid opportunity to hear and understand and receive the gospel. And that's how it stuck with me. And the example they used is if somebody's driving a car and they stop at a stoplight and you run over and you bang on their window and they put their window down like, what, what, it's their emergency. It's like, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now, right here before you die. Otherwise you're gonna go to hell. Is that a valid opportunity to receive and understand the gospel? No. Now, could God use it? Of course he could. But we've gotta be careful how we deliver it. I'm not suggesting we back down. I'm not suggesting we be ashamed of it, but we do need to be wise in how we discerning and how we deliver it. And then the last point here, or last uh, verse here, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, um, or wait, I got ahead of myself. 316. 316, my bad. It's on the next point. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Notice, I'm gonna jump doctrine for just a second. For reproof, which is a verb, for correction, which is a verb, and for instruction in righteousness, which is a verb. So is doctrine, okay? Again, it's good fundamentalists, we wanna pull out this doctrine because that's what we stand on, our stand on our doctrine. Again, I guess that's my fundamentalist voice. But it's, that's, 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 not on, that's not intellectually honest with the scripture, with what it's saying there. All of those things are verbs, including doctrine. So in some cases you could substitute the word doctrine for teaching, okay, or preaching. I think it's accurate that it's doctrine because it's delivering truth, but it's the process of doing so. And then there's also what we, what I've just bashed people for doing, right, is saying that it's just a noun or just the thing, just the what, right? Obviously in Acts 13, 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord, not necessarily the teaching of the Lord, but the doctrine, the 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 truth. Acts seventeen nineteen. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, "May we know what this new doctrine, um, what is, or what this new doctrine, whereof thou speakest, is?" So they're bringing Paul to the Areopagus, a place where they would have philosophical debates and they had not understood about Jesus and his sacrifice. They didn't know that. And so they invite him in to understand the truth, right? Okay? In 1 Corinthians fourteen six. now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Expect, except I shall speak to you Either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine, right? And then again, this is the verse I was uh, referencing before uh, accidentally. 2 Timothy four two, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, res- uh, exhort with long suffering and doctrine. Okay, so it's not just the how; it's the what. But but this is maybe the it's not the most important point, but but if you're not careful, the logical conclusion of what I just taught is that if you polish yourself, if you focus on the delivery, that's as important as the content. And please, please, please hear me. That is not what I'm saying. Matter of fact, it's Paul addresses it. Uh, Luke addresses it in the book of Acts and Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians I am very, this is Paul actually mentioning it, but, but Luke records it. I am verily a man, which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, which included how to teach it. He continues, where in, in, or uh, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians, it's still about Paul. He continues, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God, or hath not God made the foolishness, uh, foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He doesn't say none. He says not many. OK, I've heard that 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 verse preached that you basically if you if you are successful in business, if you're successful in school, you go to college, God can't use you. I've actually had somebody teach that to me out of that verse, which is blatantly wrong because it's the, the words are very simple. It says not many like you don't if you go to Congress today, they probably A, they're probably not there. They're not doing anything. They don't seem to be doing anything. <laughs> There's probably not many there that are actually called of the Lord, that are actually, saved, that are actually following the Lord, okay? It's talking percentages or, or, or prevalence. But notice Paul is addressing that this teaching in the flesh is weakness. The teaching, the delivery of truth has to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of the person, okay? And I joke with, I joke with guys, and some of you I've joked with in here, I, I feel like, is a, a few times. Um, if you're, if you're going to preach, I'm trying to remember who, 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 preached, who preached last time in church that Sam won here. When, maybe before Kenny. Somebody preached. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Jeff Grasher. Oh, Alvero, That's what it was, Alvero. And I was like, hey, Alvero, are you ready? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, don't screw it up. And he looked at me, and I'm like, because that's all that you probably can do right now. Is getting the way, so don't screw it up. Don't feel like you've got to come with a new angle, a new approach, with flattering words. Don't just just declare the truth. It doesn't have to be have to be packaged in a new way. It doesn't have to be f- uh, flash and and polish. Just speak the truth and let the Holy Spirit use the truth that is spoken, and God will get the glory. He'll do the work in people's lives. So this is what Paul is talking about when he says, Timothy, you know my doctrine. You know what I've taught and you know how I've taught it. I haven't tried to come into, into a town and be like, y'all gather around, I've got something important to say. No, what's he do? He goes into, and we'll see this again in, the manner of, in his manner of life, he goes into the synagogue and he reasons with people. He reasons with people. All right, so we also see not just knowing one's doctrine. Oh, I'm sorry, you have, a, you have a point here. To know your shepherd, you have to be familiar with both what and how he or she, in the case of a disciple or a ministry head, teaches. Okay? You have to be familiar with both what and how they deliver it. Now, well... I'm trying to figure out how to say this. You shouldn't rely on personality or outward fleshly kind of appearance. I mean, I wore a nice shirt for you today. I got two compliments on my shirt. This is a George Strait shirt, which means I've officially gone country. Okay? Now, I wanted to look reasonable. I didn't want to be a distraction today, although now everybody's staring at my shirt because it's a (laughs) good-looking shirt. But... It's not about how well I put myself together. Now you if you chose this fellowship, this this, this fellowship at this time, because of how I look, there's something seriously wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go see a doctor, okay? And I'm serious. Now, I want you to connect with my teaching. I want you to be edified by it. I want you to be blessed by it. I want to. I want our personalities to kind of jive in that way, but that doesn't make me special. Like the Lord could, could plop me out and plop somebody else in and it should be okay. I know some of you have come to me and said, we wanna be a part of Whole Heart because I don't necessarily click with another fellowship leader and that's okay. And there have been people that have come to me and said the same thing, When they've left, like they feel like they connect with the teaching of another pastor or fellowship leader. Praise the Lord. Like you should have that connection. You should feel good about like when I teach or when Brian teaches, like you're getting something. That's a super important, super important. Now you, again, if you chose this class because of the way Brian looks, then I think you made a good decision. (laughs) But not, not because of me. So let me hold this thought for just a second. We're going to address it on the back end. But I had a very, very poignant question to me about am I transitioning out of whole heart because of Brian coming and teaching more? And the short answer is no. And we'll talk more about that when, when the message is done. But I felt like since I said that, I wanted to address that. So Paul's manner of life, knowing someone's manner of life. Paul was always an open book. Always, there's two references here and I I kind of tipped my hand on one of them in Acts 17, one through three. Now, when they had passed through uh, uh, Amphipolis and uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews and Paul, notice this, every word of scripture is important, as his manner was, So Luke, the author of Acts, is giving us an insight into how Paul ministered and how Paul evangelized. This was normal for Paul. He went in and unto them, and three Sabbath days, that means patience, because that's at least three weeks, potentially up to four weeks, but three weeks of Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Did he berate them? No. Did he petition the synagogue? No or, uh, or uh, picket uh, the synagogue? No. Did he, did he bash them? No, he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered. He doesn't back down on the gospel and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So he is very clear on his doctrinal stand, but he's also very patient and very reasonable with people. I have yet to find in my personal life, professional life, ministerial life, that reasonableness ever backfires. It just doesn't backfire. Being reasonable with people is a good thing. And people generally, their walls break down. We've got a situation right now where we're trying to finish this. We've got a a, a, a permit situation to get the sprinklers in, and this back door situation over here, and they took that permit situation to the head of the 39th and Main Association, who is a guy I've met with many a time because I'm our representative to that. And he rejected the proposal from the architect. And people were like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And I've shared this with some of you. So I emailed him this week. Hey, can we get together and talk about this? Because we have a need and I understand you rejected it. His response was, of course, we'd be happy to sit down. The guy from the city really is messing this up. So instead of being a jerk to the guy and being like, why are you getting in the way of our ministry? God's at work here. Like, we'll just approach it with reasonableness and we'll get through it and the Lord will show up. Reasonableness has yet to fail me. Acts 20, uh, 18 through 20. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. This doesn't mean Paul's perfect. It means he's consistent. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you most likely in scripture and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul had a very visible preaching ministry, but he also had a very practical discipleship, mentorship, face-to-face ministry. He went to people's house. Most likely people were having him for dinner and providing him uh, shelter and he could stay with them. And he would interact about scripture. I'm sure it looked a lot like our modern day, our modern day discipleship. He continues in Acts 26, four through five. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first, uh, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Like you got, like I'm still Paul. That's a reasonable man, which is an interesting contrast to the guy who was killing people and having them put into prison, right? Which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify, if the Jews would actually stand up and tell the truth. After the the most straightest sect of our uh, religion, I lived a Pharisee. It was important to me to live out what I believed. At the time, he was confused, uninformed, didn't understand, but he was consistent. Paul lived it out. And even in 1 Thessalonians, when he writes uh, that letter to the, the, the believers in Thessalonica, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul is literally calling it out and saying, hey, my teaching and my manner of living, my lifestyle, they were in sync. People weren't catching me in a lie, so to speak. And that's the part that I have a really hard time with some of these preachers and some of these folks that I see on the internet because their life doesn't match their words. It just doesn't. So how do you live this transparent life? Well, first you need to be holy. 2 Peter 3.11 addresses this straight up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, right? The earth and uh, what manner of persons ought ye to be? in all holy conversations and godliness. Like, you want to know how to live a transparent life and live a, a the manner of life? Well, you need to be holy. You need to be holy. That's how you ought to be. You need to have sincerity. This is actually one of my favorite verses in scripture. <clears throat> not because it's not like the most inspirational verse to me. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't have like one definitive life verse. I always feel kind of bad because I don't feel like I have, I feel like I have verses for different aspects of my life. And this is my ministry verse. For our rejoicing is this. This is what would make me the happiest. Mitch Dobson, and I think it made Paul, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had our conversation both in the world the testimony before non-believers and more abundantly to your word. I want to be known as somebody who is simple and godly, uh, sincere. Like that—that's important to me. That's like more of a guidepost verse for me. Like it's a mile, like a, a it's a it's a target that I want to have in life. So you live holy, you live sincerely, and then this last reference consistently or consistency and ministry. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 uh, through 8, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. <clears throat> Sam, does not ask us to go down to Planned Parenthood and petition, why am I keep saying that? Petition, picket, and or go or try to do some sort of um, p- political stand. Like that's not, that's not the point. <clears throat> we are not to be disorderly. We are to be orderly. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. I didn't just chum up next to you and buddy you so that you would give me something and then leave. <coughs> I, if, if you're feeding me, we're gonna have fellowship and it's gonna be genuine. But rot with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable with, uh, to any of you. I don't know that I can say I've labored both night and, and travailed, uh, labored and travailed night and day but I can tell you, I've gotten up early and I've stayed up late to, to get in the word, to prepare ministries, to work on this uh, – to, to do work of this ministry, to, to minister with my family. Like that's important to me, consistency and ministry. Does it mean I'm going to screw up or not screw up? Of course I'm going to screw up. I'm a, I'm a human. But generally consistency. So transparency builds trust. Transparency builds trust. And if it's lacking, if trust is lacking, ask yourself why. Is it on you that you're not allowing this person adequately into your life? Or is it the person hasn't earned the right to speak truth into your life? There's a fundamental breakdown. It's one way or the other. So transparency builds trust. If, if one of you comes to me and says, hey, I've got a problem and I want your counsel on, the, on, on how to resolve this problem, but then you proceed to only tell me a third of the story, I can't help. Ho- I mean, I might help you, but my chance of getting it wrong or guiding you incorrectly is very real. And if you kept back to two thirds so that I would give you what you want to hear that's on you. That's on you. That's not on me. So it's really important to know, to know and be known. I'm a pretty open book. Now, I said a couple weeks ago when I taught about this that I would open it up for time at the end of, end of class, which we now have. Um,